Hello, and welcome to the County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of the Conversation, we're going to talk to Dean Klein. He's the director of the Office to Prevent and End Homelessness with Fairfax County. We'll talk with Dean about the agency's 10-year plan to prevent and end homelessness, which was created in 2000 as well as a new project in the Bailey section of the county that will provide innovative housing for our homeless residents and what the back-to-school season and approaching fall and winter months mean for the office as well as the county's homeless population. I don't know if you remember, but Dean was with us way back in 2013 when we uh, uh, had brought him on at that time to talk about the office and homelessness, Uh, but that was like four years ago, so we felt like it was a good time to have you back on because homelessness and your office, things are always changing, always evolving, that type of thing, so glad to have you back. Jim, it's great to be here, and yeah, certainly things continue to evolve, and I'm glad to be able to share some of our progress and some of the things we're working on. Yeah, look forward to the conversation. So when people hear, uh, we mentioned the the first thing, the the county's office to prevent and end homelessness, A, huge goal. Yes, indeed. (laughs) And a a problem, a huge problem to tackle. But there was a 10-year plan to to work on the uh, homelessness situation in Fairfax County, created in 2008, and we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of the 10-year plan. We are. So what does yeah. that mean? What what is what is this plan and how has it evolved since it was started? Well, you know, in 2009, our community really came together and, and determined that we needed to do things differently. And so we uh, have since actually well, the plan was adopted in 2008 it was we started to really formally mm-hmm. uh, move forward with it in 2009 okay and so in in advance of that really the community recognized that we needed to do things differently and so by doing things differently there was a commitment to put together a new formal structure which included our new office to mm. prevent and homelessness okay. which is now okay. 9 years old right. as well as a really a new way of operating a new type of partnership with our nonprofits um, a housing first strategy that we have now fully implemented a consumer advisory council to more for- formally and fully engage consumers homeless consumers in the process mm. And so with those types of structural changes and a new governing board that is uh, chaired by uh, Michael Riley and has Chairman Bulova, Supervisor Hudgens, and other key stakeholders, our sheriff, that really are helping us to provide strategic guidance and policy Mm -hmm. guidance and Mm -hmm. moving forward. So those key elements were put in place at that time. In 2009, we uh, very... Um, move forward with a very ambitious 10-year plan, which had already been one year, uh, had already passed. And so since then, we have been moving aggressively in partnership with other nonprofits, our county agencies, our faith communities, in really um, moving with a sense of urgency, Mm -hmm. um, really moving with a focus that really looks at not only those who are homeless, but those who are at risk of homelessness. Uh, moving forward with a housing first strategy that looks aggressively at housing opportunities that are safe and affordable in our community and moving people as quickly as possible into those. And so I think that the collective effort of everyone um, along the way has really changed the face of how we approach uh, our work with homeless, how we look at homelessness in our community, 
And although we certainly have a long way to go, you know, I'm pleased with the type of progress right. that we've made. Back in 2008, 2009, and the, and the years before that to develop this plan, this strategy to create the resources to do all that, you mentioned the um, structural changes and the different yes. ways of, of looking at the issue of homelessness. Was this really something kind of... I know first word that comes to my mind is unheard of, but, what, but was it different? Was it a totally different way of looking at it that, that people hadn't really kind of thought about the issue before? It was. I mean, at that time, the National Alliance to End Homelessness, a premier homeless organization, had started to work with communities all over the country on 10-year mm -hmm. plans. And so we welcomed in people from Chicago, Minneapolis, Columbus, um, Denver, Colorado, to really learn from what they were thinking. Okay. And so because we were able to build those type of innovative strategies into our plan, it really has proven to be really important because when the changes started to occur at the state level and federal level in terms of housing first, et cetera, we were really on the cutting edge. Mm -hmm. There were very few other communities that had thought about putting an office to prevent end homelessness into their community, let alone into government. And since then, there have been numerous communities who've approached me and who have actually done that, where they've recognized the value of government playing such a critical role, yeah. but working in partnership with businesses and faith communities and nonprofits sure. to recognize that resources are, are very scarce and that we really need to find the most creative and innovative mm -hmm. solutions. And so this, this partnership was one of them. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to that's what I was going to say because I was thinking government alone can't do it and nonprofits alone can't do it. So it, it seems like if you're combining effort, combining resources, making a collaborative effort to attack the, the problem, it would be a whole lot more successful. Yes. Yes, indeed. Hold and so, hold. you know, we've, we, we, write, we oftentimes reference data because we focused a lot on data okay. and, and okay. how we are doing uh, on an annual basis. Uh, on a yearly basis with our providers, really building the strength within our community to, to understand how we're doing and to make the types of changes mm -hmm. based on data that we need to. And so, you know, uh, we have reduced our homeless numbers by, uh, for families, over 50%. We're coming up on over, you know, we have 47% overall reduction. Wow. We've had reductions in most of our, our specific areas, sub-areas. Um, but again, we have a long, long way to go to sort of get to zero. And so we're trying to continue to keep mm -hmm. the momentum, even this past year with a 9% reduction. Um, and so we're shifting as we're going along. We now have more homeless singles that were counted than people, persons and families in our community uh, mm. since we started doing our point in time count. Okay. So we're trying to recognize those types of shifts and recognizing that our homeless singles numbers over the last couple of years have stayed about the same. Mm. So how do we apply housing resources? How do we provide right. okay. services and welcome in new partners to sort of continue gotcha. to drive our numbers right. down? Well, and I was going to ask you, we were talking about the like the 50% reduction overall. I think you said 47% reduction mm -hmm. since you started with these numbers. You mentioned a point-in-time survey. So that yes. that's, how, that's how these numbers are, are gathered? It is. It is. I mean... For over 20 years um, in our community, we've been um, using that as a means to 
determine how many homeless mm -hmm. there are in the community mm -hmm. because they're very transient. Right. And so we want to make sure that our numbers are unduplicated. And so we pick one particular day. We coordinate it regionally. All of the counties in, in our region and, and nationally are doing point-in-time surveys. Um, and so we pick one particular day uh, in January, and we um, count the number of people in our emergency shelters and our transitional housing programs, mm -hmm. uh, those who are living outside on our streets, those who are literally homeless in our community okay. so that we can better understand what's going on and how we've done this mm -hmm. in, in a particular year. It's right. only one way of measuring our progress because okay. okay. it is only one day, but it is a sort of a consistent way that we've used to sort of mm -hmm. determine our progress. Mm -hmm. First year you guys did this survey, did you think, well, are these numbers accurate or are they not accurate? But then maybe the second year when you got numbers that it kind of help validate the first year and then that kind it of thing? It has, it has. I mean, we've been able to show trends and be able mm. to sort of look year to year. Yeah. We've also automated and, and used our homeless management information system. Each year we've done more and more of our point in time count to the point now where almost all of it is being done through our our homeless management information system rather than manually. And so we can sort of tie those numbers to other numbers throughout the year. We can better understand how it's doing and we can have more confidence that right. the numbers are solid. Okay. You've got to explain the homeless management yeah, incident sure. or system you just mentioned. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in 2009 when we started, there was a system that has been in place and we've continued to use called the Homeless Management Information System that okay. counts the number of, helps us to determine how many people are homeless and helps us to understand uh, what, how many people are being served by our uh, partners and um, breaking out homeless families and singles. And okay. so we started and it was just sort of a, a tool that we used to get federal resources. But now we have uh, gain commitment from all of our nonprofit partners in our system mm -hmm. to use this, many of them voluntarily, so that we can not only understand by a nonprofit or a program's perspective how many homeless there are, mm -hmm. but we can look at unduplicated numbers throughout the system. Uh, okay. And so we now have over 120 programs um, that are being, you know, that right. are included in our homeless okay. management information system over over 20 nonprofit uh -huh, uh, okay. organizations. So you're really are. getting numbers from groups on the ground dealing with the, the client themselves, and they're so feeding all this into a, made, a, a one system so that you correct. can really get true, accurate numbers. Yeah, and you know, not only each of the nonprofits can see the numbers that others are putting in, and yeah. so it's a very trans, becoming more and more of a transparent process. Mm -hmm. and it, allows us to prioritize housing resources through a new coordinated entry right. system and it's data driven and okay. that's really exciting. Yeah. We're talking with Dean Klein of the Office to Prevent and End Homelessness, a big topic that we're, we're talking about today on the county conversation and we have a few more minutes to, to talk with Dean about some of the issues and one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the 10-year the anniversary of the 10-year plan which is actually I think coming up next year 2018 mm -hmm. so the 10-year plan to prevent and end homelessness does that mean in uh, next year 2018 you guys are are finished or is there a new uh, plan you know, <laughs> it's very interesting because when we first started people never really believed that we could make progress in general They're yeah like, well, and you said 40 47 percent overall Correct. reduction yeah. yeah and you know I mean, people would say well 
you're going to end homelessness? You're right. going to prevent and end homelessness? What's that, what does that really mean? And so we're continuing to educate the community about what that means. But at the same time, we've been working off, a, I think, a very innovative plan that was put together by over 100 key stakeholders when it was developed. And it has proven to be really um, helpful. But at the, you know, we recognize that we're now at the nine-year mark we know that the 10 years will be coming to an end, and we have started the process of evaluating, um, A, how have we done, you know, looking, starting to look at our programs and saying, what are the things that were in the plan that, that, that the plan asked us to do, and how did we do uh, against those measures mm -hmm. and goals? What are some of the things that were left out? I mean, when we put it together, mm -hmm. it was certainly very innovative, but there were some key things that were not included, like equity racial equity that we've really started to work oh, on yeah. throughout our homeless system and tying it to our new One Fairfax policy and looking at our homeless system and, and um, how are we doing as it relates to racial equity and what are some of the changes with policies and procedures to ensure that through an equity lens that we're um, as strong as we can be as a community. Sure. So that, that's sort of one example. But there are other areas with homeless youth and others that when we put it together, it did not include those major elements. Mm -hmm. So it really gives us now an opportunity to not only look at how we've done, but look towards the future sure. and look at what are the priorities that we want to set forward in a plan right. um, based on what we've learned, based on the data that we've been able to mm -hmm. now generate. Mm -hmm. And based on our learnings from our nonprofits yeah. and our in our community, and um, it will, I think, really look at all of our programs yeah. and really help to shape the future. Well, even as uh, as smart as the hundred plus stakeholders were, there's things that maybe weren't even known to think about at that Correct. time. And then, as you said, over ten years, things have developed. So always have to. Uh, be reevaluating and, yes. uh, and and improving. So that's what makes it very exciting. That's right. Yeah. Well, one of the um, exciting things is a new project in the the Bailey's area of the county that's going to provide uh, innovative housing uh, for homeless residents. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that and tell us what that is? Uh, I can. You know, one of the exciting things that happened this past year was a human services bond was approved by. Um, by the citizens of Fairfax County that's, that was for $85 million and $48 million of that was going to go towards the, renova the renovation and the rebuilding of, of homeless shelters. And so one of those shelters is the Bailey's Crossroads Community Shelter, um, which is now moving forward um, to be rebuilt um, as our first 21st century uh, facility, homeless shelter. Mm. Um, and so this is part of the run of the uh, the uh, plans in the Bailey's Crossroads area uh, for renovation, and there's a lot of really exciting uh, plans for um, new housing, new resources, new development in that area of the county. And so, as part of that, um, we are now moving forward with building a new shelter that's going to be on Seminary Road. We've purchased the site, and so we now have. Approval to, to move forward with that. Um, and so we're looking at November of 2019 for this new facility to be built. And so when you look at the wear and tear of our homeless facilities that are that are full each and every night, 
and what that means for a facility that you know is uh, many of them are 30 40 years old mm, yeah. um, some one was built in 1912 in the south county so you have very old facilities that have hu- you know wear and tear each and every night and are not built to sort of accommodate the new model that mm-hmm. we're really operating and so this new facility is going to allow us to not only provide emergency services which is what we're currently able to do in our in our outdated facility at the Bailey's Community Shelter, but it allows us to also provide permanent supportive housing units. Hmm. So there'll be single room, you know, uh, uh, units that will be part of the facility that are permanent supportive housing. So people who are being served in the emergency, uh, come in in the emergency services area of the shelter could benefit and could possibly be served for a longer period of time in right. housing that right. will be part of that same facility. Right. We'll also be able to leverage the existing staff and resources that are going to be coming in. So there'll be efficiencies mm-hmm. that will allow for us to serve this population. And so we know that permanent supportive housing is a model that works for chronically homeless people, mm-hmm. people who you might um, who might have been homeless five, eight, ten years, and need permanent housing um, that is appropriate, um, but they also need services. And so to be able to operate that um, as part of one facility will be the first time that we've been able to do that. And Mm -hmm. so it will allow for more volunteer support. We will have a new advisory council to welcome in new businesses in the community to be part of how we serve the community, you know, that new facility. And in addition, we're gonna have four medical respite beds, which is um, uh, also a new um, piece to this shelter. And um, we only have four medical beds in the entire county right now, and so this, as well as the additional beds and other new facilities will help us to meet the needs of people who are being discharged from hospitals. You can imagine a person who might be elderly, who's being discharged with significant medical needs into the community and has nowhere to go. If they then enter a uh, homeless shelter, they still have those medical needs. And so some of them are very significant. So we are now build, we're now preparing to accommodate those individuals in, a, in mm-hmm. a limited way to allow them to be in the homeless shelter, to allow them not to have to be on the streets and, mm-hmm. and, or, or continue to be homeless, right. and to allow for uh, longer-term housing solutions to be found for right. very much an at-risk population. Right. You mentioned some of the other shelters in the county, uh, one in 19, built in 1912, I think, yes. has had the facility. <laughs> Plans in the future for uh, other work similar to this with some of the other locations? It is. I mean, we're, we're looking at this model um, that all, not only has permanent supportive housing but has flexible space mm-hmm. and other really exciting elements to be included in all of our uh, renovations and or rebuilt. And mm-hmm. so we have the Patrick Henry shelter in Seven Corners area that we're working on. We have um, the Eleanor Kennedy shelter, which is located at Fort Belvoir, which was the one that's a historic building built in 1912. Um, you could see how we might need to renovate or rebuild that. Maybe in um, a few years, yeah. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> he said sarcastic. You know, and then you have the North County uh, redevelopment that's underway, and part of that is the Embry Rucker Shelter, which is right near the uh, mm. Reston Town Center, and so that serves singles and families. Yeah. And so that will also be part of that 
um, that same type of approach, which will allow for us to continue the type of services and housing we need. Okay. All right. Dean, we only have just a couple of minutes left, yes. but I have one or two other questions, topics I want to get to. So we'll, we'll, we'll speed through this. And again, we're talking with Dean Klein of the Office to Prevent and End Homelessness here with Fairfax County. And we've talked uh, about the agency and the plan, uh, 10 years and, and still moving forward. Talked about the new innovative housing, uh, Bailey's Crossroads area. But I guess a question I have is people don't necessarily think about the homeless population unless they see someone they think is homeless or they hear a message in the winter when it's really cold that if you see someone on the street that you think you know might be homeless you know call our non-emergency number that type of thing but being homeless is an everyday problem yes correct absolutely okay I guess any opportunity we can use to draw attention to it for instance People might not think it's back to school season. There are actually homeless children. Absolutely. How, how do y'all do, do deal with that? Well, how do you, you, how know, do you work it with is, that? It's, I'm, I'm glad you raised this. I think that you know, oftentimes when we're starting back to school and we think about what that's like for kids, people aren't really recognizing there's a whole population of kids within the schools and within the community that their experience is very different. And so... Um, those are homeless children who are, are either residing in uh, a homeless shelter or transitional housing programs. And so their experience going to school is very different. Um, and so they have maybe moved from school to school. They, their parents or family may not have the means to have, make sure that they have notebooks and supplies mm -hmm. and resources so that when you, they come in the first day of school and everyone has that, right, right. that they can feel a, a part of the school and they can be ready to learn uh, as, as other kids do. And so we work in partnership with Fairfax County Schools, mm -hmm. who has an office that, that is extremely important. And they, are, uh, they help to identify kids who are homeless through the school system. Mm -hmm. And they help to make sure that they're uh, continuing to stay on par academically and they're staying, into, staying in school, right. providing transportation and other resources, many of whom end up going to college. Mm. Um, but we, we recognize they need extra support. This past, yesterday, actually, the sheriff's office partnered with Shelter House and, and Target, and they had a, uh, a very well-known event, Shop at the Sheriff, where the deputies go out and help to shop with kids who are at the Hanley Shelter. That's just one example of how the community comes together, Shelter House came together, Pazano's, Target, other businesses are really helping to step up and, and mm -hmm. support that population. Mm -hmm. Okay. A um, lot more uh, information that we could cover. Unfortunately, time doesn't permit. <laughs> so maybe in another four years we'll have Absolutely. you back. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's great to be here with you today. But um, is there a, a resource somewhere folks can can go to get more information, learn about what the Office to Prevent and End Homelessness is doing, learn more about the homeless population in Fairfax County, how they can get involved, et cetera? Absolutely. Yes. You can go to the county website, fairfaxcounty.gov, and just put in slash homeless. 
We have a, a homeless website that can provide, you know, resources, information on what we're doing, some news and events. Mm -hmm. We also have a Facebook page that oh, we okay. re I really encourage people to check, take a look at, and that's more daily and regular updates that people can keep up to date on what we're doing. Okay, very good. So fairfaxcounty.gov slash homeless. And you can get all the resources and information you need there. And, Dean, I'm going to give you the final word, last 30 seconds, uh, what you want folks listening to this to take away about homelessness in Fairfax County. Uh, I would say there are, there are many ways that you can get involved. There are high-performing and uh, amazing nonprofit organizations that are in the community that you can connect with on a daily basis to volunteer, to support financially. Um, and then you might see and interact with homeless people in the community. And if you do, I would really encourage you to stop, uh, to lend a hand, to ask them what their name is and whether they need help. Do they need resources? And uh, many do, and you can be part of the solution. We're making progress, and we need as much help as we can get. Awesome. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate you being here with us. Thank you very much. Absolutely. That is going to do it for this edition of the County Conversation. I want to thank uh, Dean for being with us, but also thanks to you for being our guest and for listening to the County Conversation. If you could do us one favor, go to iTunes and leave us a review and uh, comment, uh, et cetera. It helps uh, us to know what we're doing good and not good or not well, however the proper way to say it is. But it also, uh, anytime you leave a review, uh, helps within the iTunes algorithm to help uh, more people become aware of the podcast and spread the news. So we would appreciate that. And if you need to get more Fairfax County news and event information, you can visit fairfaxcounty.gov news. You could also call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329, weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Thanks again for listening to the County Conversation produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.